You've always been looking for something. That's something that makes you more than the person you're living as. More into the person you were created to be. What others see as mundane, you see as magnificent. You catch a glimpse of something new and it becomes something significant. It's that something extra that keeps you up at night. You dream, you imagine, you envision what your life might be. You are gifted and passionate. Add God's purpose to this and watch what he can build. Who is the prodigy in you? When Jesus began his startup, one of the cultural priorities he wanted to set is he wanted his people to be those who loved and served and sacrificed for others. Now, ironic, because that's not what most people think when they think of Christians. But Jesus said he wanted the culture to be that the main thing you thought of when you thought of Jesus' followers were sacrificial, generous, serving people who serve people who believe the way they did and serve people who didn't believe the way they did. They just loved people. So when we began our church 15, 20 years ago, from the very beginning we said we want to partner with organizations who have a long-term track record of serving well so we can motivate, celebrate, and send people to all corners of the world. So we partnered with Back to Back over a 15-year partnership there. We partnered with City Gospel Mission. Folks go down weekly there. Uh, inner, inner city, uh, inner parish ministries with blue bags that you've been part of, many of you, in our giving tree. Happy Church is one of our recent ads. And with that, we've been able to send junior high students, high school students, college students, women's groups, men's groups, medical teams all over the world. And for 15 years, we partnered with, uh, began at the church. It's now grown into its own entity with uh, our Belize mission, which you'll see a little bit about today as well. And part of that was always born out of the heartbeat that Jesus challenged us all, his culture, his followers, to be servers, to be givers, to be those who cared about the least of these, which was that in a pecking order of society, in the caste system, the people who may not be considered powerful, you were to make them a priority. So today we're going to celebrate a little bit about how God has been working over 15 years and continues to work. And to do that, I'd like you to hear the story of my friend Jay and Rosie. Can we give him a warm welcome? Coming up from back to back as well. Thank you guys for being here. Rosie, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning. Wow, this is an honor. Um, So chances are, if you know someone who's been to Cancun in the last five years... One of the top three things they talk about is meeting this crazy woman named Rosie. (laughs) She is the light of every trip, and we are so fortunate to have her here to tell us a little bit about what she does, so thank you. Hi, thank you. Um, It's exciting to see the faces of all these beautiful people and those beautiful men and women that serve here. I am really honored. Why don't you tell us, what do you do in Cancun? Bueno, um... Um, 25 years ago when I arrived to Cancun I heard the first time the voice of God telling me about feed the hungry help those ones in need and this morning we find out another version and it says give yourself to others 
which is very exciting because it makes more meaning. So I started working with many children and many young, uh, very, very young girls that were pregnant with their babies Um, because I lost my parents so early. I had this heart for others, I, I guess. Tell me something. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. So, I, am, <laughs> I am really nervous and honored to be here. But you are all a part of an amazing, amazing body of Christ. When you come, you teach me so many things. The power of God and the love that it's in your heart is really expand like a, like a big dynamos mm-hmm. all over the classrooms that we have and, and, and touches my life and my heart. And you, maybe you don't really imagine the, the power of your presence, but our children keep your photos in their, in their hearts and in their, in their cell phones, the ones that has the teenagers, and the mothers keeps your pictures on their, on their homes. That's, so it's very amazing. So uh, back then you were a single mom. What motivated you to recognize kids in your community who were alone and open your home to them? I think God is the one that gives you the dream, gives you a vision. And of course, we are just very ordinary people with this amazing, extraordinary God that um, even though you don't know anything and you don't think you're able or you don't think you have enough to give, no, he is the one that starts giving you little by little. And I think if you are faithful with a little, he will make you grow. No? So that, that's what I, I started because I didn't know anything. Just I blessed with all my heart my neighbor in Guadalajara that introduced me to life. I didn't know God at all. So she spoke to me this word of uh, life to my heart and completely changed my story. So I said, wow, what an honor, no? I bless this woman every day of my life um, for giving me the chance to be forgiven, to, to understand the power of, of what God gave, did to me, and, and especially to have a father. Mm. I was longing, longing to have a father. So in the morning that we sang, he's a good father, he is a good mm. father. And he sent beautiful example of men. That's why when the men go, these teams are so amazingly powerful between us because all the community is desperately to have men of God. So I bless all the men in this place. I really encourage you to keep on Keep on having this supernatural love because without this love, we cannot do anything. We are very self-centered and we are not capable to do anything. So you, uh, you've hosted uh, probably hundreds of people from our area over the years doing things. Cement work, painting, tile. What has that work done for you and enabled you to do? Wow, a lot. Um, we just first have a little, a little palapa that the hurricane took away. So for years, we just have a little tent and just some stones for the children. So that's why this is heaven. This is heaven. I have never seen such a this. And then all of you went and helped us rebuild the classroom and then a little kitchen and then another classroom. 
So imagine this is a dream come true because without, I mean, without you, we couldn't hmm. have any, anything. Right? Well, we will continue to argue and fight about who gets more from our visits. <laughs> um, what have you seen happen in the hearts and lives of the students and adults who have come and served? You get a wonderful picture watching us show up um, and sort of on-ramp into your day-to-day life and mission, but what do you see happening in us? Bueno, like, like you said, it's not an argue thing, but it's something real, no? Yeah. You all go with your hearts that are prepared to give and to receive. So it's not just vacation. You already go with these beautiful hearts. And we are prepared to welcome you with all our hearts and to love you with all we have. And the children are touched. Poor children are really grateful, so it's very nice to work with them. It's grateful, and they share, and they love you, and they hug you, and everything. So it's really an honor to serve them. So I think between all of us, make this amazing, supernatural, powerful dynamite. God gave me the best and amazing experience in the spirit through Ryan that is here, and I... I don't know what that kid has, but for me, completely changed my heart. No? God gave me the opportunity to see his heart through Ryan's heart and to ha- go and see his, his heart, the, the, the father heart of God for us. So we are all blessed in this relationship because it's just the God that is in all, in all of us, no? manifest and his presence there whatever we are together no? that's why it's so powerful to come together and and receive him because it's it's amazing the the experience that we can get it to each other yeah so uh you may see some of the pictures um the pictures we included are all hard work because i want you to think that we work hard the whole time <laughs> but half of the time we spend time with the children and we get to watch people down there serving um and the reward of, of engaging in their lives is amazing. What are some of the specific things you do uh, day in and day out to serve these families? Well, no, we feed them every day because, as I tell you, it's a very poor community. Um, we have Bible classes three times a week. We will also work with the mothers on Friday nights. Um, we love them all the time, and they, it's like a safe place that they can go and play and stay for a while. We really need more teachers. We don't have any money. It's a nonprofit that doesn't have any tax deduction receipts. We just, we just support ourselves with a jewelry that some of the mothers and some of the hands made. So it's not, it's not easy to pay teachers. Yeah. So you are all hired. You are all welcome to go. If you Cancun sounds beautiful, we don't even see the ocean. Look at this color. So it's the, you are very, very welcome oh, to go. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful to watch. Last question. You have three generations of your family now working in your mission. What has that work done for your family? Well, it has been hard because, as I tell you, as a single mom, sometimes they are, feel a little jealous that I spend more time with the other people than with them. But um, God is faithful, and, and I think when we give to others, he takes care of our own things. No? And, of course, I've been praying a lot for their hearts and their, and their healing and everything. But when you learn to give to others, uh, it completely takes away the depression or the loneliness or something because you, 
you understand that whatever you are facing is nothing compared to what other people is suffering. So the serving and the giving is the key, is the best medicine for loneliness or depression. Mm. Take it. It's very good. <laughs> you are such a gift. Can we thank Rosie for joining us today? Thank you so much. Bless you. Well, that is what God has called us to as a church, what God's called those who want to follow him, be a practicing Christian, meaning somebody who's practicing what he's told us to live and have a love. It's amazing. I had a chance to be with our team a few weeks ago while they were down in Cancun, and we're going to show a video of them uh, in about three weeks. But it was amazing to, to be with guys talking about the friendships that were formed with, with fellow neighbors, the friendships that were formed from folks down in Cancun, and we're building together, and, and they're thanking the people in, in Cancun for the chance to give up their vacations. They're thanking people for the chance to not only give up time with their wives and give up time with their families, but to give up that time to pour concrete. In the middle of the work one day, they said, hey, you want to take a walk down and meet one of the families? So we made our way down, and as we got to uh, one of the little homes with a group of guys from our church, we got to meet the mom, we got to meet her daughter, and she wrote this nice little apology to her mom in the refrigerator. Mom, I'm sorry for what I did. They didn't tell us what she did, but it was neat to see their tender heart. As we were talking with the guys to my left, through a translator, said, man, thank you so much for what it's meant for us to be here to serve. And we have... We are a family that's supporting your family so that your kids can go to school. And thank you for giving us that opportunity to give. And we have a photo of your family on our refrigerator at home. And we pray for your family every day. And thank you for what God has done in us through the years we've been coming down to serve you. It was such a beautiful, powerful moment of seeing what real love can be sacrificial, give up vacations, give up time, give up comfort kind of love. And that's what Jesus said. His movement was going to be about a give up type of love. That we love God, love others, love ourselves, and even love our enemies with this type of new love. Now my problem is, and and maybe your problem is, that even my best efforts at love are tainted with self-centeredness. I mean, even this week, my wife's been struggling with sciatica. She's had four months now of just pain. She's lying on the floor a third of the day trying to get rid of the pain of sciatica. And I'm trying to help and trying to fix and trying to comfort and trying to take care of all the other challenges going on in a given day or or, or week and trying to sort of lean into that. And as we're sort of working through that, I said, hey, I did a little bit of research. I found this thing that's supposed to be really helpful. Can I try that out? She's like, sure. So she's on her back, and I'm, I'm pushing and trying to you know, move the pain down or up or whatever it is that it does. And I get done, and, you know, of course, the, the YouTube article said it was going to happen instantly. So did it work? Uh, it's a little better, maybe. You know, I just need some comfort here. You know, I don't need you necessarily researching everything that's out there to do. Well, I'm trying to help. You at least appreciate that I'm trying to help here. I mean, this is a frustrating situation for both of us, and I'm trying to sort of, you know, carry a lot of the other responsibilities while you're laying on the floor. And you know what? So I huffed off. And as I was up in my room thinking about this, you know, I'd gone down there to love on her, to comfort her, and to help her. That's where I started. 
And I was up in the room, I, I remember a conversation I had with my mom five years ago. She said, you know, one thing's your dad, he's so kind, he's so hardworking, he just doesn't do comfort really well. And especially when I'm sick, and my mom has some health issues, especially when I'm sick, dad just doesn't know what to do. And sometimes he'll come down to try and comfort me or, or help me. And if I don't react the right way or appreciate him the right way, he just storms off and, and, and gets all huffy. That's my mom's phrase. And I remember thinking... Yeah, I've seen that. What is wrong with Dad? And I hadn't thought of this story in years, but as I'm up in my room, I felt like God was giving me that story at that time. I'm becoming the very thing I've quietly criticized for years. So I came down, I apologized to my wife. And sort of gave her this insight, and yes, you know, so I'm not I haven't fixed it, but I'm aware of it, and I, and I really want to be with you, to love you, and make it about you, not my need for comfort. My mom even said she goes, so sometimes uh, when, when your dad huffs off, I have to go console him for how he wasn't appreciated for consoling me. And what we're going to realize today, and what Jesus challenges us with, is that give me love is natural. Give me my appreciation. Give me my rights. Give me my due. And whether you believe in the Bible or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you're going to find that this principle helps marriages, helps relationships, even if you don't believe the source of it. You're going to see how this works. And isn't it true that give me love is natural? You don't have to teach your kids or grandkids how to give me. Give me love is natural. But give up love is supernatural. Give up my rights. Give up my comforts. Give up my need for appreciation or respect or to make it all about me. And Jesus comes and calls people to a whole new level of love. A level you're not capable of of tweaking your way into. You're going to need access to a greater power source to do this. He says, I say to you, he who has ears to hear, love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you i'll tell you i'm gonna do something that curses me pray for those who spitefully use you not just use you they spitefully use you pray for them i'm gonna pray a lightning bolt under them maybe and jesus is going to talk about it. That's why it's supernatural love. There's three ways, three things you can give up, or two things you can give up, really, with sort of a third explanation, to access this better love we need in marriages, better love we need in the world, with a lot better benefits. And the first one Jesus alludes to here is the idea of giving up your rights. We live in a world that everybody wants their rights. They've got the right to be mad. They've got the right to be offended. They've got the right to get even. They've got the right to call you to account. They've got the right for, to go first this time. And Jesus said, I want my followers to be people who give up their rights. Even though they're legitimate rights. Give up your right to be mad or angry or upset or to go first. And it's going to win people over. It's going to be so attractive in the world today. And he says it in one of the most challenging passages about how to love supernaturally. He says, to someone who strikes you on one cheek, and it's your cheek, by the way, it's your cheek, Turn to them the other. And someone who takes away your cloak, it's yours, you have a right to it, give him your tunic as well. What? 
And from him who takes away your goods, don't ask for them back. Your, your, your. So you have rights. They're yours. And what in the world is Jesus saying? Well, let me tell you what he's not saying before we realize how difficult what he is saying is saying. Because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi who knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand. Jesus would have defended the idea of self-defense. The Old Testament was very clear in the, the law. In fact, most of our current American judicial system is based on Roman law, which actually has a lot of basis in Mosaic law. And the Bible does not forbid killing. It forbids unjust killing. And here's the difference. So when someone evil is trying to kill someone innocent, the Bible would say severe consequences to that person. Uh, government should be set up to set consequences to people who do evil acts. The Bible would support that. The Bible also says that if somebody is coming to attack you because you're made in God's image, you have the right to defend yourself. And there were certain laws put in place that you had the right to defend yourself, defend what's valuable, the innocent you, from somebody who is evil. The Bible would also have laws that would have said that if you, as a police officer, for example, shoot somebody who's evil, who's trying to kill the innocent, that's a just act of violence. So God would have affirmed all these things. People who do evil things need consequences. Government set that up, set them up into that legal system. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, first of all, he's addressing personal ethics, not governmental ones. Secondly, he's addressing a group of people who are under the oppression of the Romans. They have no power. You, nobody steps up or defends themselves against the Romans. You get crucified. Romans crucified 100 people a day on the road to Jerusalem. So God's trying to show people who are powerless how they can have power in a situation where they have no power. And this phrase, strikes you on the cheek, was actually more like an insult in the Middle East. Someone would slap you on one cheek. It's not really a punch as much as a slap to put you in your place. And the Romans would come with the back of their hand and slap you on one cheek to say, let's remember who the Romans are and who the captives are. Well, first of all, you couldn't stand up to the Romans or you would be crucified. So Jesus is trying to show powerless people how to not be put down by the slap of the Romans. He says, so when someone slaps you on one cheek, go ahead and turn to them the other cheek. To show they didn't dehumanize you, they didn't put you in your place. And a really clever thing Jesus is doing with the Roman law, the Roman law allowed you to slap somebody with the outside of your hand, but you couldn't open fists slap them. So Jesus is saying, when somebody slaps you to put you in their place, look at them and say, could I have another? And they are not allowed by law to hit you the other direction and say, no, no, I think we're fine. So Jesus is trying to empower people in a current time in history where they had no power. Same thing with, they were allowed to ask somebody to take their stuff for a mile, a Roman could, but not two miles. So Jesus says, if someone says, take my luggage and carry it a mile, could I go two miles, the extra mile? And the Roman would have to say, no, actually one's fine, because he wasn't allowed to ask for two. So that's what Jesus is doing here. So a better way to think about how he's saying here is that give up your right to be offended. Give up your right to be insulted. When someone insults you and someone demeans you, someone tries to put you in your place, give up your right to take revenge. And the Romans were hostile. I mean, the Romans were horrific. The Romans had killed off the people he's talking to, his children and, and nephews and wives. And Jesus is saying, I want you to love those Romans. Love them? That's the only way we're going to win them over. 
It would be the equivalent this week of Jesus saying, as you think about the hostilities in Florida, it is okay to want justice. It's okay to want uh, governments to put him in jail for what he's done. And as you think of all the complexities, Jesus would say, but don't forget to love the shooter. That's what it felt to hear Jesus preach this message while being occupied by the Romans. Let's read a story of a woman who practiced this very thing. Her name is Kim Phuc. You might know her as a napalm girl from Vietnam. This is the girl that ran out after her village was bombed. She said she was going to temple. She grew up religious, but not knowing of Jesus. She was coming out of temple that day when the airplane flew over. She said she heard the bomb drop, and when it exploded, it wasn't like any bomb she'd ever heard before. She's running out of temple, and she realizes her hand is on fire. So she tries to wipe it off, only napalm is sticky, and now she's just spread the fire. Napalm burns at 5,000 degrees. She said, as I ran out of temple, I looked and I thanked God that my feet weren't burned so that I could run. By the time the fire went out, she was so badly burned and unconscious that they placed Kim in the morgue to die, thinking she was already dead. When she woke up from the morgue, they realized she was alive and they began to bandage her. Maybe she has a chance of living. She thanked God that she still had breath in her lungs. She said, as I grew up with the anger of what had happened to me, at age 19, I was reading the book of Luke and this very passage we're reading today. Have compassion for my enemies? Love those who did this to me? She said, it is impossible. How could I do this? And then she said, in this interview I, I watched, I'm so thankful for Jesus, and I'm so thankful for this message, because I have more peace than I've ever had. I have more joy than I've ever experienced. I began to pray for my enemies. She said, and every time I prayed, my heart got softer. Again, that doesn't mean that the Bible or Jesus wouldn't support holding people accountable who do horrible things to innocent people. That is certainly compatible with what Jesus says. But when it comes to personal ethics... If you want to know how to be free, how to have peace, how to have joy, it doesn't come from just thinking about this. It comes from doing this. She began to pray for her enemies. I'm not willing to give up my right to be right, my right for revenge, my right to punish and therefore, I never dabble into supernatural love. But I think the second part of the verse is even as challenging is Jesus says you also need to give up the need for credit. 
And if you give up the need for credit, it's going to grab people's attention in a world that everybody's about credit. You ever been in a, an office place where somebody always wants all the credit they're due and even more some? The idea you presented, the team you're on, the soccer team you're playing on, your kids are playing on, and that one person comes up with an idea, and it's like one hundredth of the, the, the overall plan, and they tell everybody it's their idea. Let me tell you about the goal I scored. Let me tell you, I, that really, I, I told him about that. It was three years ago, I came up with the original concept. And this person who needs all the credit thinks they're getting bigger and bigger as they tell the story of how much credit they deserve. And you observe it and recognize they're actually getting smaller and smaller. How insecure must they be that they need all the credit? And Jesus said, I want my disciples, my followers, people following my way to be incredibly humble and love spreading credit around. Because haven't you worked for somebody or been on a team or had your kids on a team or somebody who loved getting all the assists, not all the goals, because they did what was best for the team? And you went, I like that kid. A boss who it was primarily their idea. And your boss, she, she, she came up with the whole thing. And yet when it came time for glory, she said, oh, meditate the whole team effort. So-and-so did this part and so-and-so did that part. Jesus says credit. If you want to love supernaturally, you've got to be willing to give up credit. He says it this way. He says, do you love those who love you? Yeah, actually I do, Jesus. What credit is that? Everybody can do that. That's not hard to love people who like you already. Even sinners do that. Do you do good to those who do good to you? Uh, yeah, actually I do. Uh-huh. What credit is that? How hard is that? Even sinners do that. That's not supernatural. Do you lend to those that you know you're going to get something back from? What credit is that? But I want you to love your enemies. I want you to love and give and lend to people who will give you nothing back but grief. Nothing back but question your motives and, and, and question why you did that thing to begin with. And when you do that, when you experience that, you're going to experience a whole new type of love. I want you to experience a love that is hoping for nothing in return. Hoping for nothing in return? What kind of mental gymnastic must one go through to get to that place? And Jesus gives you exactly the thought through, emotional, psychological way to do that. I'll tell you what it is. Look, number one, you hope for nothing in return here on this world because you can know that great will be your reward in heaven. So you say, I can have a little now, way to go, or a lot later. I can get a little bit of credit for my prayers or my giving now, or I can get a lot from my Heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret and rewards you greatly, 30, 40, 60, 100-fold kind of reward. So that's the first way you're able to do it. Oh, I'm not giving up my need for reward. I'm just exchanging a little now for a lot later. Secondly, when you begin to love like this, a hoping for nothing in return kind of love, you're going to be like sons of the Most High God. Which is like saying, you're going to be the spitting image of your Heavenly Father. 
Because that's the kind of love he has. He loves people who aren't very thankful. He loves people when they don't appreciate it. He loves people when they spit in his face. He loves people when they say, I don't even think you exist. And when you begin to love without needing credit, you're going to begin to have a vision. And you're going to be formed into the same kind of love that God has for you. You'll become like sons of the Most High God. He says, and you're going to understand God better. Because let me tell you a little bit about God. He said, the God we're talking about, the God of the Bible we're discussing, is a God who is kind. Look how kind he is. He's kind. And who's he kind to? People who do the right thing? With them too. But anybody can be kind to people who do the right thing. This God is kind to the unthankful. Did you know that unthankfulness makes God's top ten list in the book of Romans? Like, we all got lists of things that are really bad. Is unthankfulness in your top, God's top ten? He says, no. One of the biggest issues is people just aren't thankful. But I continue to be kind to them. I came across this verse about eight years ago. My wife and I were right in the middle of the chaos of adoption, the chaos of finding out my son was blind, the chaos of finding out that he had autism. And with that, we were... The cascade of chaos was going all over our marriage and all over our family trying to keep things spinning. And about four times a year, I've been married 24 years now, about four times a year I have a practice that I pull out my journal and I write out this phrase. What am I currently doing to sabotage my own marriage? I've come up with quite a list, actually. It's pretty amazing. It forces me not to rationalize. It forces me not to justify. It forces me not to finger point. And as Beth was stumbling into depression and I was quickly going after her, trying to keep all the plates spinning related to all the uncertainty, I am fueled by encouragement and fueled by affirmation. And she just didn't have any energy to give to herself, let alone me during that time. And it was very angering to me, very frustrating to me. And God said, for this season... Your need for reward, for credit for what you're doing needs to go on the shelf. It's not going to be permanent, but I want you to put it on the shelf. And I want you, as you're serving your spouse, serving your family, I want you to hope, hope for nothing in return. And Chad, I want to reward you greatly for what you serve quietly in this season. And eight years later, our marriage is in the best place it's ever been in where we can mutually give and affirm one another, still make mistakes, because of the hard work of in that moment learning how to love the people I care about with supernatural love. And that's my problem. I don't even love the people I like well, let alone the people I hate. And Jesus says, that's why you've got to tap in to this God, the God who came to earth on a cross... And he's being kind to the people who are pounding stakes into his hands. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing here. They don't realize I'm God. How kind is that? That God is merciful, not giving what we deserve to the evil. This is what Kim Fook discovered and what you and I can discover. And that's why the Bible's so radical. The Bible says that you and I were enemies of God. Not just, hey, we need to work on some stuff. Hey, I got a few tweaks, a few bad habits. We were enemies of God who are unthankful. And God still loved us and pursued us. 
And that as a Christian, we believe that what's in a shooter in Florida and what's in Adolf Hitler is in me. Maybe not watered as long, maybe not developed as well, thank goodness. But I am equally as broken. And I equally need forgiveness. And that is so humbling. And yet so, it, it, it drops you down and it lifts you up and says, then God will forgive even this. Certainly you might have the consequences in this life. You might have to sell jail time in this life. But God can forgive. I was reading an article about Bon Jovi. And they were talking about credit. He's one of the few long-lasting uh, marriages in the rock industry. And look what he talked about credit here and the kind of love he had. And that's why he said, even if you don't believe in Jesus and God, look how this selfless give-up-myself, give-up-credit kind of love works. He says, I became the poster boy for a long-married rock star, but I'll accept it because I'm so happy. She's the glue. I'm the crazy visionary with all kinds of things flying, seams all splitting, and she's the one following me with the glue and the thread and the needle, keeping it all together. My wife does all the work. I get all the credit. And yet when interviewed, what's the first thing he does? He gives her all the credit. She said, somehow it works. I think because we grow at the same rate, we grew equally and not in opposite directions. And here's two people giving credit to one another. And that's why when you give up your right to credit, give up your right to be right, give up your right to go first, you're actually in tune with what makes the universe work. The Bible says that the core of the universe is what's called the Trinity, the essence of God. And the God of the Bible is very different from Allah, very different from energy, because the God of the Bible is three in one. So before he made anyone, he could love, he could submit, he could celebrate, put the needs of someone else ahead of himself. The Holy Spirit says, no, you go first. Jesus says, no, you go first, Father. Father says, no, I want to celebrate you today. That the core of the universe, what we were designed for, what we were made for is to give of ourselves, to serve one another, to love one another, to sacrifice for one another. And Jesus is calling all of us here to participate in that kind of love. To give up hoping for the short-term benefits, to bring bigger benefits in the future. That's what he's calling us to. See, give me love is natural. Give up love is supernatural. And it's not going to be tweaking your way into it. It's going to be realizing there was a God who gave it to you so you could pass it forward. So where do you need to give up your rights? Is that conflict between you and your son and daughter, between you and a teacher, between you and a business partner? Isn't it really about the fact that you're demanding your rights? And I'm not saying you don't deserve it. I'm not saying they're your rights. I, I agree. Probably what happened, happened. But is it time for you to change the dance by giving up your rights to save face, by allowing yourself to be slapped for the sake of the family, for the sake of the marriage, for the sake of progress? Is it time for you to give up your need for credit? And you probably do deserve it. You've worked hard. There's things that you need to be appreciated for. But might you need to give up your need for credit? Because if you want to ever go and serve people, you can go on a short-term trip and feel good about yourself. But if you want to do long-term service with people who are addicted or people who are hurting or people who are broken, you're going to come face-to-face with entitlement, people who are not thankful for what you've done. Your heart's going to grow hard, and you're going to say, you know, it's just not worth it. People don't care. I didn't get anything out of this. Just say, yeah, when you get to that place, you're going to start experiencing supernatural love. When you serve here, near, and far, you begin to learn what God's love is like. 
And that's my challenge to you. Will you start giving up your need for credit? Will you go and give to somebody who gives you nothing in return? Where there's no benefit to it? Will you say, God, I want the long-term result of being a financial giver, a giver of my time, treasure, and talents because I want what you have. I want to give up a vacation to go serve. I want to go down every week with City Gospel to serve and befriend. I want to give financially in the same way people gave so that I could have a space here. I want to give to be part of this next thing the church is building so other people have a space. I've been coming to church for a couple of years, but, but, but people are watching for my kids. I want to go and, and teach somebody else's kids or, or welcome people to the door, be one of our bouncers keeping the, the riffraff out when I try and go in. What would it look like for you to say, this is the year I'm going to serve and give financially and give sacrificially in a way that taps me into not give me love, but give up love. Nothing we've done for the last 15 years, maybe even 20 now, is building homes and giving away medical care to people who don't even speak the same language as us down in Belize. And I'd like you to see what selfless love looks like, not just in Cancun, not just in Monterey, not just downtown, but folks taking their medical skills and medical training and tapping into a passion to give to those who don't pay their bills, who couldn't pay their bills, but are so grateful to experience give up kind of love. Let's watch. From the first days of Horizon, we felt called by God to love those who we didn't know and to reach out and stretch ourselves in the name of Christ. We did that locally in Cincinnati, but then eventually we did it in places like Mexico and here in Belize. To love me is natural. To love others is supernatural. We've done that in Belize by growing from a team of 23 every year to now 200 people every year coming and doing all kinds of things that we never would have imagined doing initially and having relationships that are much richer and connected than we ever would have hoped for. In the villages, we do general medical work in a variety of different villages each year. We now are bringing several teams of surgeons down and we have a relationship with two hospitals. We're doing a combination of ENT surgery, facial plastic surgery, and general surgery now. We have had some orthopedic surgeons down. We've had a variety of different physicians, nurses, and other medical specialists come along with us. This year we have audiologists. We've had podiatrists in the past. And the number of people who are joining us just seems to be growing every year. And it just is a, has been a great relationship and a great project to be a part of, for which I am truly honored and blessed. We are here fitting hearing aids on patients that they identified back in October who had hearing loss that was impacting their ability to communicate. And so we're back seeing those same folks. We were able to get donations for hearing aids for all of them. So we are fitting them, showing them how to use them, making sure they're comfortable, um, and setting them up to be able to, to communicate with their loved ones better. People tend to isolate themselves when they can't understand and talk to people that they love. And so by treating that and helping them stay involved in those areas, they tend to do much better cognitively, but also just makes them feel more connected 
I've been on other mission trips before and they have been wonderful, but this is the first time I've been able to use my professional skills and the education that I have to really serve the Lord. And that's been wonderful to be able to use things that I love to do every day to bless other people and to do it with a group of people that love Jesus is just incredible. Most of the patients that we have today are chronic patients. By this, I mean the patients that have been on a waiting list. For example, the hernia surgery. Uh, these patients have been having these problems for multiple years. They have been scheduled. They have arrived to the operating rooms. But because of emergency surgeries, specifically OBGYN emergency C-sections, they had to be rescheduled, meaning they have a long waiting process. They have been screened. They have been prepped on multiple occasions and they have not been able to get the search. Having the team in done today takes off a whole uh, weight of our emergency section and to the surgery department from both the Corozal Community Hospital and the Northern Regional Hospital. Patients that have been on a waiting list of an average between three to five years will have the surgery done by this occasion. Since 2014, I have been working with the mission, with the medical mission coming to the Corozal Community Hospital. I no, call, no longer call the mission or the team members friends, they are family now. As part of the, the medical mission at the end, uh, I usually host the team at my home. We have a little uh, lunch, we have a little drinks, we have some little snacks at home. So I, I take the team now as part of my family. Uh, I really appreciate their time, their effort, their help, what they do for the Belizean people, more specifically to the Corozal people. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for the support and the time and what's spent in uh, making this visit and this surgery uh, possible at Corozal. I know many of you just returned from Belize and you wouldn't want credit because we thank all the folks who went on that trip that are here today. I mean, we just appreciate the great work you're doing on behalf of the Belizeans and those in Cancun. Thank you, Rosie, for being here today for your service. And I would just invite you, make this a year that you set up your vacation next year to go serve. That you say, I want this to be a year that I love in ways I've never loved before. God, others, and even my enemies. Thanks for being here. We'll see you all next week.